Welcome to the With Woman Health Podcast. I'm your host, Elena Anderson, the certified nurse midwife behind With Woman Health. This is the place where you can get trustworthy, evidence-based advice on all things pregnancy, birth, women's health, and wellness. So let's get to it. Good morning and welcome back to the With Woman podcast. I'm hoping you all had a great weekend. As usual, we were very busy with events with our children and our family. And so even though things do not really ever slow down around here, I'm thankful to be slowing down for just a little while and getting back with all of you. So I've got a warm cup of coffee and I'm just gonna try to enjoy this time as much as I hope you guys do because truly, going over these topics with you and talking about women's health and pregnancy, it fills me up as much as I'm hoping it's filling you up. So today I want to talk to you all about prenatal care. And by prenatal care, I mean the care that you're going to receive during your pregnancy. So from the time you get a positive pregnancy test till the time you deliver your baby. And the information we review today, I think it's important to note that it's mostly going to cover what you would expect with an uncomplicated pregnancy. Now, many of the things that we talk about will be the same for complicated pregnancies as well. And by complicated, I mean pregnancies where you've had a pre-pregnancy medical condition that could cause some issues during pregnancy, or if you run into some complications with the actual um, pregnancy itself during that, that time frame. But I just want you to be aware that the items we discuss may or may not apply to you. It's meant to be kind of an overview of what you can expect. And as such, it may be a little different based on your provider's practices, your state's laws and guidelines, your body, your pregnancy. But in general, this is kind of what you can expect from your prenatal care. It's kind of a general framework for what's going to happen from the time you get that positive pregnancy test. And so, what do you do? What do you do when you get that positive pregnancy test? What happens next? Well, one of the first things you should do is go ahead and call your provider and get your first visit scheduled. And for a lot of you, that's going to be calling the same office where you've always gone and you know the midwives, you know the doctors, you know the nurses, and you're very comfortable there. For some of you, it may mean having to find a new practice because maybe your provider no longer delivers babies, which sometimes happens. They only do GYN care, and up to this point, that's all you needed, but now you need a delivering provider. Or maybe you haven't really established care anywhere, and so you're needing to find a good doctor. So this is the time when you're gonna do that. You're gonna search for your midwife, you're gonna search for your doctor, you're gonna make decisions about whether you want a midwife or a doctor. And so it's good to be thinking about that stuff before you actually conceive so that you kinda have some of that worked out because it's pretty important to go ahead and get that first visit scheduled. And we'll talk a little more later in a future episode about how you select a provider and what things you should look for, maybe what questions to ask, that kind of stuff, but it's kind of out of the scope of our context, our topic today. So what's going to happen when you call that office? Most likely they're going to give you a prescription for prenatal vitamins if you have not already started 
taking them, which I do recommend that you're, if you are childbearing age, regardless of whether you're planning to get pregnant or not, that you should be eating a really nutrient-dense diet and taking supplements if you need those supplements. And we'll talk more about preparing your body for pregnancy in a later episode because honestly, that is a huge topic that is just really probably we're not even going to discuss in this season at all. We're going to move that to a different season. But it's, it's an enormous topic. At this point, I'm assuming that if you're listening to this episode, you're probably already expecting a baby. And so what you need to do prior to getting pregnant is kind of irrelevant at this point because you're already expecting. Um, But there's many things that you can do to get your body ready for growing a healthy baby. And so I will touch on that in a future episode. But this topic just stands all on its own today. And we're not going to branch into some of these side topics. So your provider is going to get you an appointment scheduled to get your prenatal care started. And at your first visit, they're going to take a very thorough history. Even if you've been using the same provider for years, they're going to ask you many questions about your medical history, your partner or spouse's history, and your family history. They're also going to ask you about your OB history. And Listen, it's really important to be honest and as thorough as possible during this type of interview. Um, There are many things that can affect your pregnancy and your birth or your family history that can affect your baby's health. So it's it's just very important that you're giving them all the information they need. This includes any substance use, and I mean legal and illegal. Prescription medications, it's really important to go over all of those. Any supplements or vitamins, minerals, any of those kind of things that you're taking, herbal supplements, go over those. It's really important that you talk about, of course, any other substances you might be using, especially illegal substances. So any types of drugs, any types of alcohol, um, any type of tobacco. It's just all of these things can affect the pregnancy, but the good news is that there's things that we can do to help with some of these things. And so it's just real important to be real honest. This is also the time that you want to be really honest about your obstetrical history. And by that, I mean any previous pregnancies. They will most likely do this interview with you in private, and that is so that you can feel free to be honest because I know, I realize, I've seen it in practice that there are some women who have things in their past that their new spouse or new partner doesn't know anything about, and they don't want them to know anything about it. For instance, maybe they've given birth before and putting a baby up for adoption, or they've had an abortion, or they were raped or, you know, any of these things that perhaps your partner doesn't know about, it's still important for us as your provider to know this information. Um, A history of sexual abuse or rape can be very important to know, especially when it comes to doing um, physical exams, vaginal exams during labor, or how well you're gonna be able to tolerate your labor. And so it helps for us to know that information in advance. It helps for us to know if you've had any uterine surgeries or DNCs or anything like that that could affect your uterine lining. All of that is important. So 
no stone left unturned. We're going to ask all the questions. We want you to be forthcoming with everything you can think of. Now, sometimes this history visit is a separate visit that you do with just a nurse from the office. But sometimes it's a visit that you have with your midwife or with your doctor. It just depends on the structure of the practice where you're getting your prenatal care and how they structure those visits. So just remember that it may be a little bit different depending on where you're at. Now, during this visit, they're going to also try to determine the first day of your last normal menstrual period, and this will help to determine your due date. And so it's really important if you are having regular cycles to keep records of your period for this reason, like the first day of the period and, and that kind of information, information. But many women I know don't keep these records and uh, maybe you don't have regular periods or maybe you're still breastfeeding a baby and you've gotten pregnant while breastfeeding and so you're not having normal cycles. So all of those things can can play into this. And so you may have an early ultrasound for dating. And this will be a transvaginal ultrasound because the baby's too small for us to see abdominally. And so they'll use a little probe that they'll insert through the vagina so that they can take a really nice close look of the um, baby in your uterus. And the technician will take a measurement called a crown rump length, which will help us to date your pregnancy. So that's essentially a sort of a head to toe, almost little length of the baby. And so these early ultrasounds can get us an accurate gestational age to about three to five days. So they're very accurate if you're getting an early, early ultrasound in that first trimester. And that's going to help us to know your due date. You may hear that date called EDC, EDD, or EDB, and that's estimated date of confinement, which is more of an older terminology, estimated date of delivery, or estimated date of birth. But what it means for you is essentially the roundabout date that we're expecting this baby to deliver, and on that date, you'll be 40 weeks gestation. And so, it's extremely important that you get this early prenatal care. And mostly the reason for that is getting a good jump start on nutrition and supplements and getting a good date for the pregnancy. Because down the line, there could be issues with growth or amniotic fluid or gestational diabetes. And it's really important at that point that we know we're working with an accurate due date. So, Again, depending on where you're going, your midwife or doctor may just go by your last normal menstrual period. If you're keeping good records and you've got a real nice regular cycle and there's no um, signs on that first physical exam that we need to be thinking you're further along than you think you are or not as far along as you think you are. But also, depending on where you go, you may have that early ultrasound. So um, that early ultrasound is very, very accurate for getting a good, reliable due date. Um, on one of your first visits, you will also have a physical exam. And this will be a full head-to-toe physical, which will be very similar to your annual exam. 
if you're used to going for those annual exams, you'll know what I'm talking about. But we'll get your weight, we'll get your blood pressure, and we're gonna do that full head-to-toe exam. So we're gonna check your thyroid. We're going to listen to your heart and your lungs. We're gonna do a breast exam, a full abdominal exam, and a pelvic exam. And that pelvic exam is gonna include a speculum exam during which um, we will obtain specimens for a pap smear, unless you've just recently had one. And we'll also get cultures that will check for gonorrhea and chlamydia. And then we're also going to do a bimanual exam, which is essentially a check with our hand where we're feeling for the size of your uterus and feeling of your ovaries and doing some pelvimetry, meaning um, kind of feeling for the distance of the bones of the pelvis and just kind of getting an idea of, you know, how much space you have in your pelvis and how it's shaped and that kind of stuff. And then you will maybe be offered an early blood test called free cell DNA testing. And this test will test for some genetic issues, but it can also tell you the gender of your baby very early. And if I'm not mistaken, we can usually, depending on the vendor that you're using for that, you can usually get that done right around the 10 week mark. So if that is something you're interested in, you know, this is something you might be offered at this visit. And at one of these visits, you're also going to get some lab work. And so, you know, some practices do this different. Others do it one way, this way, that way. So a lot of places at your very first visit, like I said, you meet with just a nurse or a midwife, you do the history, and then you get this lab work. Then you return for your second visit, and that's your actual physical appointment where they do the head-to-toe exam. Some practices will lump all this into one visit. It just depends on your practice, but this is kind of just a general of what you're going to get at the beginning. And so the blood work that you're going to be having drawn will be, these are pretty much the routine. You're going to get a blood type and screen. You're going to get a sickle cell screen. You're going to get a test for syphilis called an RPR, a hepatitis B screen, a rubella titer to test your immunity. That's something that you would have been vaccinated against in general when you were a child. You're going to also get a varicella screen, which is chickenpox, unless you have proven immunity, meaning you've had the varicella vaccine or you've had the chickenpox in your, in your history. You will get a CBC in general. Some places will just do an H&H, &H, a hemoglobin and hematocrit. Some will just go ahead and order the full CBC, but it's important mostly to get that hemoglobin and hematocrit so we know essentially where your hemoglobin levels are, which is important kind of down the road for bleeding issues, especially during labor and delivery. You will get a urinalysis where we'll check for protein and glucose or sugar and bacteria in case there's any urinary tract infection, and you will get an HIV screen. Now, if you are in a high-risk category or you live in a community where you have a high risk for tuberculosis or let's say you travel a lot out of the country to countries that have a high tuberculosis rate, you may have a PPD or a little skin test for tuberculosis. And um, as I mentioned, you may be offered some early, the early blood test for 
genetic issues. And then there's also some other first trimester genetic screening tests, which are like a blood draw, and it also includes an ultrasound where they do something called a nuchal translucency test. And this will give you some information about whether you're at risk of having a baby with Down syndrome or trisomy 18. Again, it can generally give you the gender of the baby, um, but it cannot test for things like neural tube defects. And possibly based on some of this lab work or some of your history, your office may refer you to a visit with a maternal fetal medicine specialist um, or a genetic counselor to discuss, you know, some of these findings. Or if you've got some genetic history in your family of genetic disorders that are present at birth, then, you know, you may be referred out for some of those visits. Also, I, I will just put it out there, a lot of practices will refer you to a maternal fetal medicine specialist if you are what we consider advanced maternal age, which is awful. I hate to even use that terminology, um, especially for somebody that seems so young, but over the 35 and over is considered advanced maternal age, and so they, they may want to refer you over. Again, at this point, it is kind of your choice whether or not you want to go see the maternal fetal medicine specialist, whether you're interested in doing any of these genetic blood tests. We will talk in depth about these in some later visits, uh, later talks. But what I want to say is that it's a very heavy topic. You really need to know all of the risks and the benefits of what you're doing before you consent to those tests. It's not merely just finding out whether it's a boy or girl early. There are a lot of other ramifications of some of these tests. And, you know, once you hear that you're at risk for having a baby with Down syndrome, you really, before you take that test, need to know how that is going to affect you personally during the rest of your pregnancy. I won't get off into the weeds on this, but this is a very serious, very complicated topic that truly every single woman, spouse, family has to make for themselves. They have to be the ones to make that decision, but you need to have all of the facts before you consent to those tests. So just keep that in mind when those are being offered to you. Now, after this initial heavy work and stuff is done, you'll have some return OB visits. And at each one of those visits, you're gonna have your weight and your blood pressure checked. Your provider will do an abdominal exam to check for the height of your uterus and make sure that it's growing at appropriate intervals. We do have some very, some little landmarks for where the uterus should be at certain times in the pregnancy. For instance, at the halfway mark, right around 20 weeks, your uterus should be right at about the height of the belly button. And so we're gonna be doing that exam and making sure that the uterus is doing what we're expecting it to do, meaning in general, we can assume baby's growing like he or she should. And just because it's not at the height that we expect it to be does not mean that there's issues, but it does mean that we're gonna investigate a little bit further. So we're gonna do that at every visit. Once you get past that 20 week mark, we're actually gonna measure your uterus with a 
a little tape measure every time you come in just to make sure it's falling in about the right spot. And then we're also going to listen to your baby's heartbeat with a Doppler, which is so much fun to hear that little heartbeat going. And just depending on your body type and shape and where your placenta is located and lots of other little factors, it may take a little while for us to be able to hear that baby's heart rate with the Doppler. So at one of those first couple of visits, we may still have to do a little ultrasound to, to listen to your baby if we're not able to find it with the Doppler. So don't panic on one of those first few visits. If they can't find it, they'll get the ultrasound. We'll take a look at that heartbeat and, and things will be good. But um, in general, I'd say by about your third visit for sure to the doctor's office, we're hearing that heartbeat with the Doppler. You're most likely going to give a urine specimen at these visits so we can still keep checking for that glucose and protein, which are two little indicators for some issues. And in general, these visits are going to take place about once a month for most of your pregnancy. And so that's good. You don't want to have to go to the doctor's office too, too much. You want to be able to have some of your life to yourself because towards the end, you're going to be seeing lots of us at the provider's office. But in general, once a month for most of the pregnancy. And then when we hit that third trimester, right around the 28-week mark, this is going to probably increase to about every two weeks. And then when you hit the 36-week mark, somewhere right around in there, we're going to have you come in once a week. Now, this schedule may be very different if you have underlying medical complications or issues that arise with your pregnancy, because in those events, you're probably going to need to be seen more often, have many more tests, and um, possibly something we call NSTs or non-stress tests where we're watching the baby's heart rate and monitoring for contractions. And so if you've got some complications, let's say you find out you've got gestational diabetes through the pregnancy, we're gonna definitely see you more often towards the end of the pregnancy. So lots of things like that to keep in mind. Now, in your second trimester, during one of these visits, we try to time them so that we can hit some of these important points during the pregnancy. So during your second trimester, right around weeks 15 to 18, you will probably be offered something called the MSAFP or a quad screen. This test will, it's a blood draw, and it lets you know if you are at an increased risk for having a baby with an open neural tube defect, something like spina bifida, you may have heard of that. And this one will also let you know about Down syndrome or trisomy 18. So if you had the early test, that part is maybe not as important, but this quad screen is what tests for these neural tube defects. Again, this is another one of those essentially genetic testing and you should know that it is not a diagnostic test, it is a screening test. So just because you do have the test and it comes back elevated for an increased risk for a baby with an open neural tube defect, it does not mean that um, your baby has that. It just means you're at an increased risk. And most likely, if you get a screen that is positive for that, you're gonna be seen more often, you're gonna get that maternal fetal medicine specialist referral we were talking about. And so it just kind of opens a whole can of worms and a lot of times makes women worry about things that they don't even necessarily need to worry about because they've gotten 
not necessarily a false positive on the test, but an increased risk, but that doesn't actually come to fruition, so to speak. So just, just keep that in mind. And it's at these visits that you're gonna be able to voice your concerns, ask questions, bring up issues about things that are going on with you, symptoms you might be experiencing, that kind of thing. So this is your time with your provider to get your questions answered. In general, these return OB visits is what we call them. They're kind of quick, you're in and out especially during some of the beginning stages of pregnancy when there's not a lot of changes taking place. You're in that second trimester. You know, we talked about that last week. That's kind of that sweet spot where you're not really feeling a lot of issues or having a lot of problems or having a lot of questions. Um, but those visits would be good times to ask your doctor about things like, uh, or your midwife, I apologize, about, um, feeding your baby, what do they recommend, childbirth classes, things that are not uh, pressing urgent issues, but stuff that you would like to get answered. So that's a good time for that. Now, during these visits as well, in standard United States prenatal care, you're going to be given or offered an anatomy scan at around 20 weeks. And this is an ultrasound where your provider will take a look at your baby's vital organs, your placenta, and your amniotic fluid. And it's to ensure that everything is progressing normally and that everything has formed the way it's supposed to. But if there's any issues that are identified at this visit, you again may be referred to that MFM specialist or you may just be scheduled for a repeat ultrasound. Now, sometimes the ultrasound tech isn't able to see everything well based on the position of the baby, and they just need to repeat it so that they can just get a better look and confirm that they're happy with what they see. So it's not always that something's wrong, but it can cause a lot of anxiety. And for most women in America, this ultrasound is expected. It's routine. It's a time to find out the gender of your baby if you didn't have the early tests. Um, but believe it or not, ultrasound in pregnancy can actually be quite controversial. Um, we can really dive into this in the future um, with one of our episodes because it's a topic all on its own. But do your research on ultrasound. Decide if it's something that you want to do. It is not a mandatory thing. I mean, I know a lot of women out there, they're interested to know if they're having a boy or a girl, and they are worried about issues or concerns, and they just want to see the baby and be reassured. And if you're fine with that and you're that's important to you, then, yeah, move forward. But, um you know, there's also a lot of people who are happy to not know. They don't want to know if they're having a boy or a girl. They're happy with whatever baby they're getting, regardless of if there's issues. They don't feel like they need to prepare in advance. And so they may forego this ultrasound. So just keep that in mind as you're moving forward that in most practices, you're going to be offered this type of ultrasound. Then around weeks 26 to 28, you're going to receive a screening test for gestational diabetes. And you may get this earlier if you have some risk factors identified for, for this issue. So that is the basic, that's the real basic what you can expect from your prenatal care. And 
there are many things that can deviate from this outline of care because your care will and should be very individualized based on your history, your body, your baby. But this is just a basic framework for standard prenatal care in the U.S. And again, I have to specify in the U.S. because um, things are done very differently overseas. And so this is where my expertise is is in United States prenatal care. So that's what you're going to find here. Again, other countries, it may not be exactly the same and... Um, that's okay. Sometimes that's better. Just depends on where you're at. And there's lots of research from other countries that we use here in the U.S. to guide some of this as well. So lots of factors that can go into that. And we didn't even touch on like the education you're going to receive or your delivery plans. Um, you know, those are very complex topics. And I feel like they each and everyone need their own episode of the podcast really so that we can really deep dive into each one of those topics on their own. But so as we continue the With Woman podcast, we're going to touch on all of these things and more. So I say stick with me if you can. Eventually we're going to touch on everything you can think of. Um, but just know that along the way as you're having these visits, there is some prescribed education that your provider is going to try to hit you with, you know, slowly throughout so that you're not overwhelmed with all the information at one time. I would say that in the United States, unfortunately, the majority of that education is going to be in the way of handouts, pamphlets, possibly childbirth education classes, breastfeeding classes, sibling classes, things like that that you can get into. A lot of places, unfortunately, right now are not doing those classes in person because people are social distancing and, uh, you know, they don't want to have that many people in an enclosed area. And so that makes it extremely difficult for pregnant women to get in and get face-to-face -face education like they may be seeking Um which again is a major reason why I've started this podcast is hoping to get you the information you need and want in a very safe format that you can listen to in your home and in your car without having to get in those positions. Or again, like I said, if those positions are not even available, if your hospital's not even doing prenatal classes or tours of the hospital, I mean, that's a thing of the past. I haven't seen anyone come through for a tour in the OB department in a really long time because they're just not letting people in the hospital if they don't have to be there for their own health and safety. So just keep that in mind. You know, if you're enjoying the show, I would love to ask you to please help others by hitting the subscribe button and giving me a five-star rating. It really helps other people find the podcast. And you can also visit the blog at withwomanhealth.com that I don't keep up with it as often. I'm not posting in there as often as I am weekly with the podcast, but it's my hope to get back to that just a little bit as, as we move on here to hopefully have a blog post to go along with each podcast. So keep that in mind, but you can visit me there and share it. Share this with all your friends, anybody you know that's childbearing age or that's expecting a baby. Share it with them. I'm sure that there's some questions that they've got that we could help answer. And as time goes on, we'll just answer more and more of those. 
And I guess that's it for today. That's That covers our broad overview of what to expect from your prenatal care. And I'll plan on seeing you guys next week where we're going to dive into weight gain and exercise during your pregnancy. We want to be able to, um, we talked a little bit last week about people maybe getting a little bit anxious about that weight gain, not knowing what to expect. We're going to really dive into that, deep dive into how to individualize that weight gain based on your pre-pregnancy size and what kind of exercise you can be doing and should be doing during your pregnancy. So I hope to see you guys back here next week for that topic. And again, check me out on the blog withwomanhealth.com. We'll see you next week.